Hello and welcome to a special episode of Euphoria ahead of the 2023 World Championship. Today we're going to be talking about the World's Patch, the World's Qualifying Series between GG and BDS, with interviews from Adam as well as Roma of G2 Esports. And joining me today on this episode is none other than Yamato, Cannon, and Dagda. And before they say anything, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, SoundCloud, whatever, whatever, whatever. But welcome, boys. Thank you for Thank being you. here, for putting a quick end to our weird... Um, Asia Games purgatory, as I'm as I'm gonna call it, because I think we've all just been waiting. As cool as it was to watch Korea and especially Faker, you know, get out of military service and win pride for their country, I'm I'm now ready for Worlds. But uh, what what have you guys actually been up to? What is like what is the off season been up been for? Rob, I know you're prepping for plans. Yeah. Yamato, I know you're streaming all of the time. Seemingly, what have you guys been up to? You go, Dagda. Oh, well, I want to hear what you've been up to. We had a GB run down a couple of our games earlier today. Oh, yeah. Vladimir, that mm. was great. Drake's even tweeted about it. I did. I did. Um, yeah, I've kind of just been chilling, like catching up with folks. Actually, now that we got a bit of time off before everything kicks off again, I uh, had some friends come over as well. They stayed with me for a little bit. So it's been nice to kind of have a bit of time off and chill uh, and then just playing a ton of games. And as you're saying, like prep for play-ins but i'm also going to be doing a later stage so i gotta go prep for that as well so it's kind of been a bit bit of a mixed bag cool cool yeah if i was in your shoes i would wish that i come in like on the second day when you get to see like everyone play and then you're like, all Dude, smart you're like, i oh, they drew the short straw <laughs> so i do we the super early start in dublin for the world qualifying series right but then yeah. i also do the sunday is a 4 a.m start for the first series that I'm also doing. So I got the two worst starts of the entire thing for play-ins. And I'm just Bro, like, I, it's going to be I don't miserable. Envy you. I'm chilling. Um, I roll up, me, you, and Mark Z cast uh, the world qualifying series. Yeah. I get a boom. day off. Then boom, I cast one side of the bracket. And my prep for that side of the bracket, very strong. My prep for the other side of the bracket <laughs> is all right. And then I just got to watch the games and see what happens. Bro, play-by-play life is, woo, you know. it's smooth. I'm chilling. You know what I mean? You can always but bust out the card. Yo, all that analysis about the past doesn't matter. It's all about what happens in the now. <laughs> but also, okay, but also, <laughs> boys, can we really talk like pre-international tournament analysis is like 50% cap. That's all I'm going to say. It's like you can make your best estimations, but you can never be surprised when that's completely wrong, right? It's like, nope, it's like been four patches since we've seen any of these teams play. They're playing against players that they very infrequently play or lane against. It's like, how are you really going to tell me? So, I will say on that, though, it is kind of sick that we have a little bit of a runoff from MSI because, like, we actually had some of these teams face off against each other at MSI. So it is kind of sick to see those storylines, but I do agree where it's just like, we're we're so far in the depths of it at this stage that it's just a case of, well, I'm going to put a best in this horse and hope it worked out for me, but I don't really know. You guys have yeah. the perfect excuse then. That's going to be my excuse. It's like, uh, I'm going to be like watching the games, doing doing the analysis on YouTube, the usual business. And that's going to be my excuse because I've been way too busy anyway to to check these regions out because like I randomly started coaching K-Corp. So we just played like the LFL Cup. Uh, we just started scrimming and then I just started doing that. Uh, and then we did the I did the Drutut Cup too, some coaching. But at the same time, like a lot of like LEC meetings, you know, all of the business meetings for the future, you know, that's that's something that's going down too. So it's like I've streamed less, but not by by choice, more by circumstance, which was my choice. Uh, but it's sure. been fun, you know, working with K-Corp, you know, the fans are great, you know, everyone's great over there. We lost the Vitality yesterday, but 
they were a team that uh, pretty much uh, played the whole year. So it is what it is, you know. We we can tank that bullets, you know. I'm still proud of the boys, and this is how I've kept uh, busy uh, before uh, the World Championship starts. It happens. But this is my favorite part about you, Mata, is every time I turn around, you've got just something else going on. <laughs> Somehow. Like, I, I look away for two minutes, and you go from being the guy who, like, makes a hundred gajillion YouTube videos a day, or the guy who does LEC into LCS co-streaming, falls asleep, wakes up again <laughs> for LCK. Like, you go from that guy to coaching K-Corp, and now you're back, presumably to being that guy in preparation for Worlds. It's, like, it's pretty wacky. Were you also Rock doing room, tracking man. the pros? And that's, that's like, the thing. It's like the whole screaming with Keiko has blocked that. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be limping in now, and I'm gonna try to cannibalize Keiko's viewership. That's that's the mission. Mm. Yep, that's the mission. Respect uh, respectable vision. He does have a lot of viewership. <laughs> but kind of on that subject, Worlds Patch thirteen nineteen. Rob, we've been playing a, a ton of League of Legends together. Not that our you know League of Legends experience is gonna no, be no, anywhere we're near the. Yeah, well, yeah. we did queue into a Grandmaster 80 carry today, which was turbo awkward because it was a for fun normal game, and he sweated on Callista, which, again, if you're that good at League <laughs> of Legends, you're not allowed to main role in normal games. It's no, just a rule. all we That's... found out is that Gragas Yasuo probably won't be played at Worlds. That's all. We were just discovering oh, I, I the meta say, for we... ourselves, you know. <laughs> if we only look at the level one through five of that game, it looked unplayable. <laughs> if you look at anything after that, it was unplayable just for the opposite side. Um, are there any frontrunners for picks you guys have for, for this patch? I feel like there's a ton of changes. There's a bunch of stuff that's getting hyped up in solo queue. A lot of it is hole breaker stuff, which I don't think usually transitions to pro. But like, what do you guys have your eye on when it comes to pro picks that we might see or new stuff that we might see coming into this new meta? I'm, I'm honestly worried that we are going to see a lot of the same. Uh, in the context of like uh, the ADs mid, uh, I think we might see more Hullbreaker Yon uh, as, as a slot in shoe in uh, for AD mid. Uh, this is something that we've seen occasionally, like Chovy played it. I think a lot more players are going to play that. I think Oriana has been buffed enough to to be in in the realm of things. Like Tristana's got a nerf, but I think Tristana's still OP. I think Azir got completely like headshot. There's like, Azir, we need to have a conversation with you out back. And I was like, the Godfather music is playing, nah, 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 nah. you know, just two second cooldown on Q, like he's been hit pretty hard, but God bless, you know, no more Azzy Corky. I think for top also, things are going to be relatively the same, Renekton, Aatrox. I think Jungle is probably where my, things might be the most dynamic, what I have an eye out for. I think like Belveth is, is a champion that should be played, I think. Uh, I've heard some rumblings about Shaco and Jarvan, like Shaco basically just... Uh, like Shaco Oriana is something that has like appeared as as a combo, you know, and Shaco is very strong early and scales well too. I think this champion is uh, one of those champions that people are too scared to put in hours in, but then someone does it and then you're like, shit, we got to do this too. And I think we might be at at the precipice of that, but it might be one of those, oh, AP Echo Jungle is going to be OP. And then like someone loses. <laughs> <laughs> loses playing I, it and playing and then yeah, you know, they play it again and then Sejuani shows up again, you know, on their peak. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like God, I would love for Shaco to be good, but it, it, that is like another yet another AP Echo jungle. It's kind of how people felt a little bit about Heimer bot before like before it was clearly really OP when mm -hmm. it was getting busted out, uh, where people were like, I'm not gonna put the hours in, and then you saw people pick it up anyway and they kind of sucked. So I do hope that if Shaco comes through, we get to see a bunch of just like people who've played 
10 Shaco games in their entire career of League of Legends first time to get on stage because it's so nuts, so broken. Uh, Kanavi's played it a bit. I'm yeah. just saying, Kanavi actually played it before in the LPL in like 2021. So I, if there's anyone to bring it out, I could see it. <laughs> Look, just, man, I, whatever Kanavi wants to play, I'm just going to accept his meta because it's <laughs> Kanavi, man. I don't know what you want at that point. You know what I'm saying? It's like Kanavi, sure. When other people besides Kanavi start playing it, then it's fair, like an fair, anybody yeah. pick. <laughs> that's that's kind of where i'm at oriana though is kind of crazy to me because i feel like this champion has been chain buffed in every patch the entire year like if we don't see oriana now we're never gonna see oriana she got like adjusted in season 12 and like nerfed in season 11 and then has just been chained buffed ever freaking since and now like i know nemesis is saying that it's insanely turbo broken and i'm hearing that it's showing up in scrims but I don't know. If it can't beat the Tristana Jaces of the world, who knows how much we'll see it. It's a big question. The Oriana Syndra City is, is my imagination in, in the mid lane. Yeah, I don't know how much LB we'll see. Like, I think the Berserk Grease is a bit too far-fetched. And then for bot lane, your homie Bard, Dracos, your homie Bard. Bard is OP as shit, dude. Holy <laughs> moly, Bard and Caitlyn, pew, pew, pew. I think these champions are busted. But that's where buffed, my, my headspace is it. Bro, they've buffed all the lane bullies. It's actually yeah. like, I am I really don't know what to expect. Caitlyn got some buffs. Like, there's so many. Like, Lucian got a little like, got it, yeah. small buffs. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd am i be hyped for Bard. Bard and pro play slaps. Caitlyn and pro play. Goddamn, what a boring and We're ready champion. for the really exciting duo of, like, Senna, Tom, Kench as well. Ooh, yeah. Senna, that's going to be Kench. great. <laughs> okay, all I'll say is, okay, Senna, Nila, Nyla, Nila. Yeah. Adam is Hyper. strong as hell. We knew in LFL because they were banning it away, but I feel like this is an international powerhouse bot lane. And I will tell you right now that the only reason I feel this way is because my I'm shit at League of Legends. And I have played this lane like four times with Dagda, and we cannot lose. <laughs> this champion is so broken. Her scaling is disgusting. Yeah. When she gets on top of you, you have zero agency. I have whiffed so many Qs on 80 carries who are up an item on me, and it does not matter. Qs, I have 100% armor penetration. I've whiffed everything. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, and obviously the people I'm playing against, they're like, you know, decent ELO because I'm playing with people who are decent. But I'm just saying if I can turn my brain off and be as bad at League of Legends as I am and do something with that champion, she's going to look 10 times as disgusting in the hands of any pro player who actually has put the time into figuring out how that lane works because it is it is messed up. We've known it for a while, but I'm just going to say it again. Senna Nila. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. I, I think Senna is, is such a weird one because you force support players in a lot of cases to farm unless they're the ones playing the Senna. And then AD carries to be the, play the role of supports in terms of how they manage the map. And that's usually like the pitfall. For example, like when I had Hilly and, and, and Upset, it's like both of them can play the champs. But what's the point of committing so much time and effort into like basically relearning your whole role for the team? And I think if you manage to make that investment work and you're the team that is willing to play like Senna Kesante bot is something I've seen, Senna Yasuo, Senna Nyla. These are champions that are so good in niche spots. And if you can pick Senna and then all of a sudden you can play almost everything with it. Uh, then it's like, ooh, you're, you're really putting a gun to, to the enemy's head and that shit can get dangerous fast. But uh, it takes a very special player or special set of players to, to really pull this off good because you are risking a lot, right? Restructuring your whole team in a way. 
yeah, there's other picks like Camille and stuff in top lane that I'm also mm. excited about. Like, especially when you've got Bin, whose name is I Love Camille in solo queue. <laughs> like, I am so hyped to see this man coming in and getting his pick and being able to play that. But even just having more carry oriented picks in the top side, like actually having top lane where you can go toe to toe and someone's going to come out on top and actually have an impact, I think is going to be the big one for me. Because, um, like, Gwen, Jax, I mean, we're still going to see a lot of Renekton, especially. I think, I think Nidalee's like highest ban rate in solo queue at the moment, I think, in Korea or something like that, like some insane figure. So I think you'll still see a lot of like Renekton Nidalees and that kind of stuff. But I'm actually hyped to see what top laners can now do in this, especially when you're looking at the top lane matchups we have. Yeah, as long as we don't have Ivern double AD carry meta, I'll be happy. Like as long as I don't have to watch that anymore, we got that. That was a great experience. I enjoyed LEC playoffs. I'm good. I saw one LEC playoffs. I don't need to see LEC playoffs featuring Kanavi, JDG, and and the boys. Uh, you know, I'm good. Just like give me, just give me a little bit away from that. I don't know if the Tristana nerfs are going to be enough. She still seems obnoxious as hell. I think Jace is still busted as well. That's the problem. Yeah, Jace nasty, nasty as heck. But you know, how many more AD mids are really going to come out? I wouldn't mind seeing some Yone Holebreaker in pro play. Always feels weird to me, but that item, clearly that item is good because it wasn't. Like, the LeBlanc build was strong for multiple reasons, and one of them was Static Ship most OP, at her most OP. But as she's been nerfed, the Holebreaker, and now the Holebreaker Ari. Shout out to Bob Quinn, wherever the hell Bob Quinn is right now, just ruining solo queue. Um, God bless him with his Holebreaker Ari and whatever. I saw Tifa played Holebreaker Twisted Fate into his <laughs> Holebreaker Ari. Like, it's, like, so degenerate, man. It's like, if your enemy builds Holebreaker, you have to build Holebreaker. So I hope that's not what pro play is going to be, but I guess we'll have to find out, gang. I guess we'll see what it is. It's, the silly thing about that item is it's so almost risk-free because even just just the standalone stats, the 5% move speed, the 60 AD, the HP, it's like it's already cost-efficient without the additional layering of it. And usually strength on side means that you generate more gold. So it's relatively... Of course, you can have a steroid gauge and have, you have the shield, but that's like... A very minor trade-off in some cases when it can generate you more gold. Uh, so it's like Hullbreaker, they made it so risk-free by buffing like the stats when you don't hunt alone. It's just, uh, and the build path is also like juicy, very cheap item. Uh, it's, it's it's a nice one. Yeah, very OP, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, it looks strong. I've, I mean, again, I think it depends. Like if we see it in pro play, ever, I feel like that item is just too strong. You know what I mean? It, it, ever not on, like, a champion who only wants to split push. You know what I mean? Like, that's when we know. That's when we know that they went too far and that this is this is the world we're living in for the rest of worlds, most likely. Um, the other big thing is the format. This is sick. I'm, like, plans is slightly different, but I don't think plans in the big scheme of things is, is going to be the biggest deal to a lot of uh, EMEA viewers outside of tracking the inevitable victory of BDS. Uh, how do you guys feel about Swiss? Is this an advantage? Do you guys feel like this is a buff for Amiya? Do you guys feel like this is a buff for the West? Is this going to make things harder? Because on the one hand, you're now not guaranteed, as you would have been in a world with four LCK and LPL seeds, to have to play against an LCK and LPL team two out of your or four out of your six matches in group stage, which was obviously a nightmare most of the time. Um, on the other hand, you could play exclusively LCK or LPL teams throughout your entire Swiss run and never get a chance against an NA team or anyone else who's making out of plans. So, good? Bad? We like Swiss? We're scared of Swiss? <laughs> I mean, I think it's kind of cool to have 
the opportunities for best ofs throughout it. And the fact you kind of get that like separation, right? Where you kind of get to see at least LSTK, LPL teams kind of fight off against each other more often. And like, if we actually guess NA versus EU again, that'll be sick. But man, is it going to be hard. Like the initial best of ones means so much coming into this. Because if you get like a an early win or a good start, it's going to make things so much easier as you go on. I think the the wild thing is if if you are G2 or any like if you're G2 right you're hoping that BDS loses because if BDS win in the first initial round the choices that uh, G2 have as an opponent as the first seed is going to be one playing team and then of course Weibo and Dam one in if G Golden Guardians qualify then it adds a fourth and then there's a 50% chance of having a weaker first opponent because ideally I think the EMEA teams, they really need to boo in the BO1s. Because if you go 2-0 up on the BO1s and you find some upset victories, then you have three lives, three best of threes that you can then qualify through, right? Because the system is pretty much you win two or you lose two and then all of a sudden you play best of threes until you're eliminated yeah. or uh, you win, right? So if you go 2-0 up and you get to play three best of threes to qualify to the main event, I think this is like the best odds, right? And if you want to have like some freak scenario where a team qualifies through playing only against weak opponents, let's say G2 play, beat out, let's say Weibo in the first round. BO1, they win. And then somehow we've had Fnatic versus Team Liquid. We've had like all the NA matchups and then all the other teams, they like slip through. So we have like four teams from EMEA and NA in the second round and then they face against each other and then the two teams that then win out of those rounds playing a best of three, all of a sudden you've dodged all the Eastern teams and the Eastern teams have like cannibalized each other. It's, uh, <laughs> it's funny because I feel like NA and EU are simultaneously just praying that they just keep meeting the other one, not because it's a regional rivalry, just because you don't, you don't want to play against JDG. You don't want to play against Gen G or T1 or whoever, you know what I mean? Like your ideal world is play against, you know, who the Weibo round one, play against some NA team round two who manages, let's say, to get an upset victory or whatever round two. And then round three, let's say it's like it's like TL or NRG somehow who've also miraculously 2 0 their first two games. And you're like, th you're thinking, thank God we got NRG. But at yeah. the same time, NRG's like, thank God it's not JDG. Yeah. You know, like as good as G2 <laughs> might be, like we're all just like, we're as much as we like to think we're a cut above, like when push comes to shove, we're only a cut above because we believe we can beat NA, right? Like at the end of the day, we have the same boogeyman. We're scared of yes, the yes. same damn I do love how Kedro left and immediately this turns into... Yeah, screw screw Weibo. They have no chance. <laughs> That's who we want to meet the second we get through. Beat Weibo. <laughs> Bro, I respect that man's commitment to loving the shy, but we can't all live in the world that he lives in. That's what I'll say. <laughs> I, and I think that you know, well, he wants to. I think he put. Did he put Weibo in S tier? Man, I can't. I can't keep up anymore. God, like, God tier. God tier. Yeah. <laughs> he put them in God tier. He made them a separate like. At a certain point, you know, like you stare into the meme long enough and the meme stares back into you. You know what I mean? And I just, I don't even know if he knows where the joke begins or ends anymore. I think he just is one with the shy, which is doubly as funny when you take into account that the shy basically like nobodied him and was like, who is this guy? <laughs> it's like the reverse effect of fake it till you make it, you know? It's yeah. like you, you fake it long enough so it becomes your character and now your own delusion.
But yeah, he's, I appreciate he's I feel the same about Jackie Love and Rookie and Canyon and Showmaker. It's like I have this dream scenario in my mind. Ooh, Kerry Meta, Belvet, Canyon, Nidley, ooh, Showmaker. <laughs> After like a year of solid disappointment, you know? But they qualified. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those are my boys. I mean, I think that that's the nice thing about Worlds, I feel like, especially, is by like week three of any regional league, you're like, ah, shit. The, the team or the player stories I love, like, they're not going to pan out. Like, maybe they'll turn around, but you you know pretty soon, pretty fast. But Worlds is like a clean slate, man. Anything can happen. Someone can just show up. Mad Lions could be our best team. Do I believe it? No. Is it possible? Hell yeah. Worlds <laughs> That's is why. Crazy. Death won Worlds, bro. <laughs> that team looked mid as hell the entire year. Won Worlds. They were crazy good. That's why I feel like this Worlds especially is so sick, right? Or like also coming off of a Worlds where... The impossible became possible. Um, shout out to the world song. That video was was kicking. Um, yeah. But of course, the most important reason that we're here today is to talk about the big best of five matchup. Technically not part of the world championship. So this these teams have not qualified for worlds yet. It is the world qualifying series. Riff Rivals 2, Boda 3. Whatever you want to call it, whatever name you have for it, it's just Golden Guardians versus BDS. It's a single best of five. Um, guys, Golden Guardians. NA fan or EU fans probably don't know anything past what they saw at MSI, if I had to guess. Maybe they watch LCS, maybe they don't. But luckily, we have an adopted NA expert on the <laughs> on the podcast who might have slept through some of the games, I'm not sure, but was alive co-viewing for most of them. Um, Yamato, can you like kick us off? Like, What is the short and sweet in your eyes when it comes to the Golden Guardians? Think, yeah, go, sorry, I thought you were done. Oh, no, yeah. I just like, give us, give us the and, TLDR, because I think a lot of people don't know. Uh, I think Golden Guardians is a little bit underestimated coming into this one. I, I think that uh, probably out of NA, I think on paper, they should be the second strongest team, I think. Uh, due to just the year as a whole. Uh, I think that they, uh, basically in playoffs in summer, uh, their two most important players, I'd say, uh, heavily underperformed. And this is this was the first time the entire year. I think for the longest time, Gori and River, they were just kind of waiting for everything else to be in place, and they were basically the backbone of the team. Uh, they are a mid-jungle duo uh, that uh, had enough trust in each other to pick worse matchups that relied on 2v2. So basically, they were the, they were the ones that were willing to play, for example, Lissandra Viego or like Silas into a weaker matchup because they knew they could break it together with jungle. And I think uh, Golden Garden's biggest strength comes from how well they work together in the 3v3. I think Licorice is a player that has uh, uh, slowly become like... Uh, uh, a stronger and stronger player after a horrible spring start. He did this resurgence, resurgence coming into MSI because the whole story was that this is a completely different player. You guys should have seen how hard this guy was inting in spring. Like it was, um, for the lack of a better term, vomit worthy, uh, his level of gameplay. And then all of a sudden he ascended and he's this guy that's willing to play Jax, the poppy, and he's just kind of a player that um, is willing to uh, go very deep into his champion pool. Uh, Stixie is a player that... As weird as it seems, Golden Guardians, they're very strong in playing 3v3 around mid, and they are controlling the game through that. Stixi is uh, a, a player, it seems like he has ants in his pants. Uh, he walks in, dies 1v2 very often, loses sums 1v2 very often, but somehow, even though with a poor stat line, he finds a way to be effective uh, in the game states uh, that uh, 
the trio uh, create uh, for them. And I think um, the key thing, the edge they had in NA the entire time was that I think who he was a very, very dynamic player when all of the other supports in the region uh, were a lot more rigid in the way they played and were more lane-centric. And I think that uh, who he... Uh, while his lane wasn't the strongest together with 6A, it's just that trio on mid. Gori, River, Huhi, how they control the game, and when they do, uh, they look very sharp. But in playoffs in summer, uh, Gori and River were just not performing up to the standard that uh, Golden Guardians relied on, and uh, I'm assuming that this is something that they can definitely like fix in, in, in the last month they've had uh, to prepare. Yeah, I always find it a little bit hard to have uh, full faith in Gori, because he used to play in the LPL, right? And he used to watch him go up against like Knight and Rookie and like all the top top LPL mid laners like Scout and Chehu and just like get manhandled a little bit so every time I'm kind of like ah yeah it's gory but when I actually watch the games I'm like as Yamato saying I think the mid jungle is actually pretty strong for these and I think the big thing for Licorice is going up against Adam I don't think he's going to fall prey to Adam's champion pool in the same way I'd expect like some other top laners to fall to so I think when you're going up against Adam having Licorice be able to go towards these carry top laners. I think he played a lot of jacks, if I remember correctly, this split. Um, but even when we saw him MSI, he's happy to fall back to like the poppies and stuff. Like he's a ton of variety that he can try and play. Um, he won most improved this year as well. Like the guy's been on an absolute tear. So I think Licorice is going to be totally fine. Um, and even then, it's like Licorice and who he were first team all pro as well. So like I actually think that even though this is like the fourth team coming through from NA, they're actually a pretty strong squad. And I don't think it's yeah. going to be just be like a walk in the park for BDS. Like, I'm actually nervous for them. I think this is going to be a big test for them. And especially since, at least for from MSI, Golden Guardians have that experience. They have that where they've gone to a different place and played internationally. This is the first time literally for every single player on BDS to actually go to a different country and play. Yeah. I mean, Adam Adam being the exception, right? Essentially. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, like, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a good call out, especially that, that playoffs was kind of an underperformance, because I think for a lot of people, you turn in for regional playoffs, and you kind of assume that that's the full story of a team, because Golden Guardians, like, really collapsed, and I was rewatching the TL series, the lower bracket series today, and, like, it was not good. That first Nocturne game, the miscoordination, these ganks on the Fiora, I mean, the whole series was was difficult, even if they ultimately, you know, kept it close, and I think that reminding people especially when you look at msi when you look at licorice's performance the solo kills he's able to find and especially the their path in spring to make it to msi um gory's cassante was crazy oppressive i said it in spring and i'll say like he was playing cassante mid better than most of the people in our league were playing cassante mid now admittedly my biggest point of reference would be that game that caps kind of ran it down on cassante mid which isn't great but like these are guys that clearly look like a force to be reckoned with and I still believe in B, like BDS at the end of the day. Like I think that they can absolutely do this, but I definitely don't think that this is a shoe in And I think that we are in a world where I think you guys, or you could be right, both of you essentially, in that like Golden Guardians are not the fourth best team. They're certainly the fourth best performing team in the playoffs. Sure, absolutely. But they are not the fourth best team in the context of like what they can actually look like when their players are performing. I think that they've shown us a much higher ceiling than a lot of a lot of the other reps. And I think as well, at least from watching Golden Guardians, it feels like they're nearly their own worst enemy. Where it's like, you can tell that they have the game plan. It's like, hey, we are going to like shove in mid and we'll go and like go dive in side lane or we'll go and make a play. Um, but they'll end up overextending that bit too far for the play. But these are like super fixable errors. And those were kind of the ones that I saw creeping up again and again in their playoffs. So I think for Golden Guardians, I don't think we've really got to see, as you're kind of alluding to, that we got to see the best of them 
in playoffs. Like, and I think that when they're coming on to an international stage like this, they're going to be so ready. And these things are very, very simple to fix. Um, so I'd, I'd actually, I'm, again, quite nervous for BDS. Like, I think their style is going to struggle a bit against Golden Guardians. For me, I think the key thing where uh, Golden Guardians in North America, I think in terms of like contesting 3v3 well, I think in terms of the other teams that are available in North America, they're very, very bad at contesting this like aspect of the game. And I think that uh, when it comes to uh, play against, for example, uh, BDS, I think that early games are a lot more competitive and more well-structured, I would say, uh, in, in the LEC. I think the, the edge that BDS would have, I, I just have a lot of faith in, in, in Crowny and Labrov's ability to actually like squeeze matchups, especially in a world where like Caitlyn is going to be played. Uh, you need to be very, very good at understanding the timings around bot. And I think this is where uh, Golden Guardians very, very often give up a lot of advantages and somehow find ways to, to claw themselves back. I, I think also on the flip side, I think uh, Nuke also... I think the best of five that he played in the, the finals, finals, finals. Uh, I think that was like some of the best performances that I've seen from him. So that yeah. also, also makes me very hopeful because there was like an actual progression. I think there was like stagnation. There was like that peak where BDS was super, super good. He was playing the Cassio and the Syndra. And then there was like a heavy, heavy stagnation, but then a very, very solid rise, I think. Because I thought Sertus, like the way SK would win that was if Sertus would have like a performance of a lifetime, but the opposite happened. Like Sertus got kind of smacked on the head uh, by Nuke. So that also makes me uh, very hopeful. I think Shio yeah. at his best, right, controls the map well. And I think that as long as um, they are aware of, of, of River's movements, I think that uh, out of the early game, I imagine that BDS could come out stronger. But Golden Guardians, they are tricky in a way where they are, they are willing to play many, many unique combos. Like when they stole that game from Billy Billy, it was off the back of this Yasuo, even though their bot lane was like 0-10 and lost a turret at minute 8, uh, they somehow won this game off of this... Uh, this combination with the Asso. So I think that's where like the Gori River Hui combination, they, they are willing to uh, make it uh, a lot more dynamic and think outside the box, uh, which is something that is tough to prepare for when it comes to a best of five, while some of BDS characteristics in terms of their players are a little bit predictable, right? Like the Adam's champion pool, you can already prepare against that. And hopefully BDS also are aware of this but this is a challenge mm. they faced the entire time and then it's like when they played against players that prepared super well against us i remember like the set that bb prepared against his olaf and then the game was just over they burned his uh, flash level one and then the matchup was just ruined you know those details is something that bds need to be very aware of yeah by the way i don't know if you guys saw this but like shout out to the golden guardians content team did you I think it might have gotten missed in the noise. Did you hear the world song that they put out? Like the it was like a, oh. you know TL does a promotional song every year. Like Golden Guardians did one. Mm. Shit, hold on. I'm gonna play it. I'm gonna play you just a, a clip of it, just so you can see it or hear a little bit. It's gonna sound terrible, I'm sure, but just to give you an idea, because I thought it was good. I thought like it's different, but it was cool. BTS leave us alone. <laughs> a little self-deprecating. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> this sounds like so, a budget electronic, no? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
So I don't know, man. I, it was a little more self-deprecating than I anticipated their song to be, but it doesn't seem like they have a lot of confidence, dude. I'm I, I'm just... Banger opening line. Yeah. Leave us alone. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I feel like BDS have it in the bag, man. I don't I don't know what to tell you, but uh, Golden Guardians aren't feeling it. That's That much is clear to me. Wait, to be clear... You guys know that Golden Guardian song? I just made that in like 30 seconds, right? That was like the thing. Oh, thing. shit. Really? <laughs> oh, what? I, thought, I, I just made that. I made that. I thought that was clear. I was like, damn, no. I thought that would hit harder. No, it's clearly no, fake. It's quantity. It's I thought that was actually fake. a Golden Guardian song. <laughs> I was like, what? Fucking <laughs> God damn it. revealed that. That would have been <laughs> hilarious. Bro. <laughs> I will say that I would be very nervous specifically for Nuke in the same way that Yamato had pointed out, if he hadn't had some of those pop-off games in the, the season, 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 super summer finals. Boom. Um, but also if Orianna's coming back, like that was in his wheelhouse. You know, he's a man where I think when he's in his comfort zone, he plays really well when he's set up to succeed. But I think the awkward part for, for BDS is that they've been so reliant on, uh, you know, in their spring run, so reliant on Adam just eating pressure and then their bot lane kind of taking over the game. And makes it really hard, I think, for Shio to to do everything that he wants to do if he has a top lane who can't just do that. If there's a situation where Licorice is actually like able to punish that and shut that down, as you highlighted, like against G two when BB is able to bust out these counter picks, a lot of that falls through. So it feels like more pressure on Crowny and Lebrov than ever. But I just gonna be a tough one. Guys, Rob, are you really predicting against me? I the problem no. is we pre-recorded an interview just, with Adam, and I told him we were all going to believe in him. Oh no, no! I, and now I we're going to watch the interview, BDS. and he's not, I'm going to have lied to Adam now. No, because I think the thing is, everyone's going to be like coming in, going, "Oh, it's LCS 4C. and I'm like, "Hang on a second, these lads are like the MSI reps, right? Like these are actually a good team. I just I think it's like we got to try and tape our expectations. I still think like Cranny and Labrov are going to smurf on bot lane, and I think that's going to help out massively. I just hope Sheo finds the same that we got from him in spring because I thought he was so ch- he was so good in the early stages this year, and I just want to see him hit those highs again. And if they do, I think they control the game enough where they're just able to snowball it. But um, it's just a case of like, don't be surprised when Golden Guardians come out swinging because they are actually a good team. They're just not as good as BDS. It's also so many things that I like. Uh less tangible right it's like oh you're playing in korea you just had the boot camp in korea for the first time it's like experience matters there you know who he's been around the block you know stick say two you know all of these players have been around the block then you have bds you know with the staff also they're new to the lec right a lot to adjust to uh, and uh, coming now starting off playing a best of five you know there's a lot of pressure on the line and experience uh, definitely goes a long way you know even though practice might go well on the day uh, things might play out different and this is where you need to be super, super resilient uh, in in any shape or form because you don't know what might actually happen on the day, right? And it's weird yeah. for me because it's like in terms of my predictions, like depending on the, like, I think in other content pieces, I predicted like, oh, I think there's going to be a close one, but I'm feeling GG. And then I say, maybe this changes because now I feel a little bit more BDS side. But it's like a, a lot of things need to play out just right in my mind because in the conversation of Adam, I... I'm disappointed that he keeps getting shoehorned. I don't know if it's by his choice or by team choice. Shoehorned into the Darius and the Olaf because I know he has a mean Natrox. Mean Renekton. He has a really, really good Gwen too. Like this guy can play a lot of champs at a very high level. And I think that um, 
when he's allowed you guys remember like in the regular split he played aatrox before anyone else did and he had that the shy moment in river uh i think it was um uh, against uh, was it astralis right the game against mm -hmm. astralis uh where he just uh like turned around the big fights and i think that um adam is a player that has depth and i wish that uh, this was explored more rather than him being pushed into the olaf and the darius rather than him keeping that as like a shiv in his shoe you know that he just pulls out when you know back against the wall you know yeah i feel it 100 percent. again we're gonna we're we, we're just gonna you know what we're gonna do we're gonna run the interview because the problem is i'm gonna keep talking about what happened in the interview but i'm the problem child you mono that's all i'll say spoiler <laughs> all right. for the interview i'm like we love the darius adam keep playing the darius <laughs> i'm like the word i'm like the eu fanboy you know i'm just sitting here so why don't we matt who's our producer matt let's get the interview up let's take a look uh send it over to adam who did us the courtesy of sitting down for a wonderful interview um, after his very long scrim block at like 11.30 at night to talk to me. All right, thanks so much, me and the gang on Euphoria. I am joined by Adam in the midst of BDS's boot camp after what seems to be uh, a long day of scrims. I know it's 11.30 there right now. Adam, how are you feeling about being in Korea, being somewhere different? Are, are you and the team enjoying the, the country so far, enjoying the food and everything? All right. I mean, yeah, so far it, it has been really good, you know, to, to be actually back in Korea because actually last year after my, you know, not so good split in spring 2022 with BTS, you know, we went to Korea and we did like an, uh, a Hunger Games between both teams of Academy and the main team of Team BTS, you know. And at the end of this boot camp in Korea, I just ended up, you know, demoting to LFL. So, you know, my trip uh, didn't go pretty well last year. But uh, fortunately now... You know, one year later, you know, I'm back in Korea and uh, I'm just you know, trying to, to qualify for words there. So it's kind of another story and uh, I'm kind of enjoying to be to be here, to be honest. That makes sense. I'm going to be honest, man. I completely forgot about the infamous <laughs> BDS Hunger Games boot camp. Um, your year this year has been so good by comparison that I like forgot how rough, um, you know, like 2022 was for BDS. And I think that's... Uh, luckily for you i think a lot of the guys that you're with now weren't there mm -hmm. you know maybe we're on the academy but weren't there for the main roster for that entire let's just call it a mess it was a messy year so i'm glad that you're here i'm glad that you've qualified for worlds um the other big thing that i found out about today uh thanks to french twitter and thanks specifically to lore who sent me this information is you kind of rocked up to the korean server and people instantly knew who you were knew what you were about, like were big fans of your performance. Um, did that, did that like catch you off guard that you had such a reputation in Korea already? All right. So as far as I know, you know, I, I know that already back in EU, I think uh, maybe already from winter, but I'm not sure, but from spring at least, uh, I know that uh, Wolf, you know, like uh, the ex KT player, you know, he likes us a lot, especially me apparently. And um, he used, you know, to, to kind of like, uh, stream react to our games you know uh, team mm -hmm. this in the lc so uh so i guess i guess mostly because of him we kind of like me me mostly me but the team in general you know got uh, got into the korean ears and um you know uh, apparently like the korean uh, like my gameplay a lot that i'm able to pull out you know the garen the darius the olaf that i'm a really aggressive player um, they like to see this and, um, you know, f for me, I'm really, you know, glad to see that uh, I can kind of export myself in the, in the international like that. You know, it's kind of an honor. So thank you. 
Yeah, it's like I think it's one of my favorite things that I've heard in a long time because obviously like when you don't speak Korean You just don't hear about any of this mm -hmm. stuff And so I imagine it was kind of a shock for you when you roll in or you're hearing this stuff during winter You're like what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah. Like All these Korean people in my mentions telling me they love my Darius or whatever <laughs> So I think that's like so fantastic because you know from my perspective like and from I think for the Western perspective We so rarely get to hear um, You know if you're not going super far in an international tournament how players or other regions think about you and so the fact that wolf kind of started this and called it out and seems like korean fans are there is i don't know i think it's pretty sick i'm glad to hear you're excited about it too um focusing back in on 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 the boot camp what how has the practice been for you guys thus far what form do you feel like bds is in it's been a long time since um you know lec fans have seen you guys play how are you feeling about the team overall right now all right uh so so far i think we didn't you know got hit too much with the jet lag you know, it happens when you go, when you go from Europe to Korea. Uh, we we just screamed instantly the day after we we actually uh, went to Korea. So we didn't have like much time to cool and to try to chill for a bit around, you know, in Korea. We just went straight into the practice. And uh, so far it has been going pretty great. Unfortunately, we cannot get like uh, the big monsters in Scream yet because uh, uh, we're actually still randoms, you know, but uh, hopefully if we manage to go far in the tournament, people will a bit uh, start, you know, acknowledge us. So I'm really looking forward to it. But so far, practice has been going actually really, really good. So I'm, I'm, I'm really satisfied about what we're showing right now. Yeah, I feel like I'm always caught off guard by that process, but I, I can't even imagine as a new team. I know Mad Lions went through it when they were first going to Worlds and even Rogue as well. It's like it's like the audition, right? You basically have to audition to scrim the good Korean teams <laughs> by playing whoever is there, like whoever yeah. is around. Um, but it sounds like, it, you know, if the, if the results are good, if scrims are looking good, I think EU fans can be happy so far. I'm curious how you feel about the patch for the team for you guys overall. I don't want you to give any way any, any secret mm. sauce or anything, but obviously like spring was so great for you guys and summer was like solid, but are you feeling like the, the patch is setting you up for success as well? Do you guys like it? Uh, I think so far we are showing some good understanding on how the patch is working right now. We're starting to clearly see what is strong, what is a bit weaker. So um, I think the I would say the patch kind of suits us um, in, in this kind of aspect because we find our gameplay pretty well into this. So, um, but of course, it's still scrims and there's a lot of you know fiesta in, in the game. So it's still a bit hard to compare about um, scrims and competitive games. But uh, as long as we're kind of updated on the meta, uh, only the owner can tell the, can tell us you know what will happen uh, on those games because. It won't be easy for sure. Yeah. I'm curious how you feel about the Golden Guardians. I know they're probably a team that you weren't maybe as focused on during the year, much more focused on domestic or, or maybe looking at LCK or LPL. But how much research have you done? How many, how many games have you watched of the Golden Guardians recently? Have you been watching or checking out what they're doing to try to understand kind of how you can beat this team? Well, during this interview, I was mostly, you know, watching uh, LCK, LPL. To be honest, I wasn't watching a single time LCS. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so um, personally, I, I I don't know much about uh, Golden Guardians. Uh, our coaches, you know, they, they actually do their job to explain us, you know, what Golden <laughs> Guardians are. So thank you, coaches, for telling me because I, I wouldn't know otherwise. But um, I think they're a team with a great experience. As we could see, you know, they have a lot of players that were, that went several times towards. So this is not their first time. 
and uh, we need to be you know, ready for the big day because we I would say we might have a slight advantage because I think we might have we might just be a better team than they are so mm -hmm. I'm actually really confident when I say that so we just need to be to be coming on the ninth and just say we're just BDS we're just one team you know and uh, see how the flow goes yeah, I like it. Some confidence, but also being humble, taking mm -hmm. it one step at a time. Uh, matchup versus Licorice, I think, is the thing that, for me, and I would say most fans were super excited about. Uh, I don't know how NA is feeling about Licorice. I'm sure they're feeling good, and they have a lot of opinions. But obviously, like, you're the Darius guy. The Koreans know it now, too. They love you for it. We love you for it. Like, how are you excited for this 1v1? Are you excited to, like, show up? Do you feel like there's more pressure on you to show up because you are the Darius guy, the guy who will bust out the Garen, who will bust out these super aggressive picks. How do you feel about the 1v1 matchup? Uh, well, regarding Licorice, you know, um, I mean, Golden Gardens, they went to MSI this year. So yep. he solo killed some good top players, you know, the, um, uh, during, the, <laughs> during, the, during this MSI. So I'm actually looking forward to it. But uh, for now, I still think that uh, laning-wise, I'm actually better than him. Actually, this is what I believe, and I'm pretty confident when I say that. Actually, so um, <laughs> it, it's from I'm looking forward, you know, to this matchup, but um, I will for sure not be scared, you know. So I will just go like I always go. Yeah. Okay, I like that. I think I you know that's what people ultimately want. They want to see this in the same the thirteen nineteen spin on whatever you were bringing to the table before <laughs> is what the people want. Uh, when we talk about worlds overall, you said it already. Like you're the only person on your team who has, you know, who's been to Worlds before in this context. You have a lot of guys who I think aren't rookies by any means because they've been playing for a long time, but mm -hmm. this is their first time at Worlds. Are, are you guys worried about nerves? Are the coaching staff worried about nerves? Or is everyone just really, really excited to be there? Uh, I think, yeah, when you're kind of an, an underdog team like, like we are, I don't think we should go outwards, you know, with uh, any kind of pressure. And I don't think that uh, anyone is feeling that because... We're all actually more than happy and more than excited already to be there. And uh, of course, we even get like the chance to even play, you know, in the LOL park. So, which is even more insane, you know. So, um, we for sure don't take what we have now for granted. And we're actually giving it all. So, we'll just make sure that uh, our mental is in the right spot and we will not waste uh, the opportunity that we have. Yeah, fantastic to hear. Uh, for you, your last trip to Worlds was. I think not what you wanted it to be and certainly not what you worked towards uh, due to some unfortunate circumstances. Uh, how does that affect your personal outlook going into this world? I know you talked about your team being underdogs, but do you feel like you need to prove something? Do you feel like there's something that you need to get out of this trip to Worlds? Because it's been a little bit since we've seen you on an international stage. What, is, what does Worlds mean to you? Uh, well, so far with Fnatic, I didn't have maybe the best experience that we could have for Worlds, but... Uh... Even though it uh, uh, what happened happened, I still you know gained a lot of experience from that and a lot of maturity. So I learned you know how to be a better player, <laughs> a better teammate. So everything that I've you know lived made me a better man today. So for now, my only focus is to go the further possible in the tournament, and I just want to make sure that uh, everything is happening the most, you know, smoothly possible. Uh, I just want to make sure that everything is okay. I want to make sure that my teammates can count on you, then can count on me, sorry. I want to make sure that I can count of my on my teammates. And uh, I just want overall to just have an enjoyable uh, experience.
Yeah. That sounds, again, humble, pretty reasonable, pretty stable perspective. Um, kind of two more things before we go. The first, what's your biggest fear for Worlds? And what's your biggest dream or hope? Like, what is the, what is the thing you most want to accomplish individually? Forget results for a second. I know it's all about results. I know you just want to go as far as possible. But is there anything that you have to prove to yourself as, like, a teammate or as a competitor on state? Is it just replicating solo kills like Licorice did? Um, you know, what, what would... What are the big things that you want to achieve outside of going far in the tournament? It's um, yeah, it's uh, it's it will be selfish, but uh, you know, I just want to prove to everyone that uh, I actually deserve to be here, you know, and uh, mm. I deserve everything that's happening to me right now, and um, I deserve to be at Worlds, and uh, I would like you know people to consider me a bit more. Well, you know, when they talk to me about. Uh, Adam as the player, you know, as the top laner. Uh, I just want them to acknowledge me a bit more about uh, about me. Yeah, I think that's a good goal, man. I think that's a noble goal, um, and I think it's it's a reasonable aspiration. And it feels like Korea, they're already starting to know you, and I hope that you can you can grow at Worlds and you can show what you're about, and you can be more than. You know, when you first joined, you were the Darius and Olaf mm -hmm. guy. And I love that for you. And I hope that you'll always get to be that guy. But I hope you get to be more than just that mm -hmm. or more than just a BDS top laner. Because I think that you're a guy who's been around now, who's competing and who's been getting better. And we'll see, you know, when you're up there, when you're the top laner that comes to people's minds. And it's not, you know, the Soazes of old or whoever people want to reference or Odo or Wonder or whoever, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it's an exciting prospect. The last thing. We're going to send it right back to a podcast after this interview. <laughs> Yamato is going to be sitting there. Okay. Uh, I know you guys are tight. Is there anything you want to say to Yamato or, or the BDS fans before we throw it back to the podcast? Oh, uh, hello, Yamato. Hope you're doing well. Um, <laughs> small message to Korea. Then I hope this time it will be a bit better than uh, than uh, than what happened two years ago. I will make sure it will happen and uh, I will actually make you proud. So I hope you will support us, Yamato. And uh, excellent days. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for BDS fans, I mean, um, always you know grateful for every support that uh, you guys are giving us. You know, French fans or even international fans. Now Korean fans that will uh, that will actually support us. So uh, you know, really grateful for everything that is happening to us. Uh, because kinda, if you're a team without kinda people supporting you, you know, it's a bit. It's always still a bit weird because. You still always enjoy having people supporting you that, that you know that there's someone behind you uh, no yeah. matter what. So thank you guys for that. And uh, I hope we'll make you proud as well. Yeah, I'm sure you will, man. I have full faith in you. I have no doubt that when we go back to the podcast that everyone's predicting you to win and then smash plans and then we'll see how you do in Swiss. One step at a time. Full faith here from the Mia side, from the Mia <laughs> podcast, of course. So maybe we're a bit biased, but uh, thank you for taking the time, Adam. Thank you. Uh, shout out to the BDS fans. Shout out to all the Korean fans, and uh, we'll send it back to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks, me. Thanks, Adam. Uh, yeah, I was. I got the Yamato shout out in there, which I thought was. was nice. I felt so was cute at the time. I appreciate but, that. Yeah, but the problem is when you don't watch, when you don't know the like, because we were pre-recording those interviews, right? Because we want to do it after scrim blocks. I realized after getting that, that you could have come into this podcast and been like, I believe in Adam, but also BDS are going to get smashed. And we could have, we could have, there's a world where we just spent 30 minutes talking about how BDS is going to get smashed and then cut to an interview where I'm like, Yamato's there. We all believe in you. What's, 
up, you know, like. To be fair, um, I was gassing him up. I was gassing him up. I want to see true. like the many layers of 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 Adam, you know. I think Renekton, Aatrox, Gwen, like this. This is a player that has depth, you know. He has depth. He's uh, super strong individually, and I think that uh, you know, in terms of like uh, how he squeezes people in lane phase, is biggest strength, you know. Uh, like I agree with the notion that Licorice versus Adam is going to be like the most interesting. Uh, matchup it's like will licorice be eaten or will he be able to stabilize and and force uh, adam to conform in a way you know i think uh, to hit on the note it's like he, he uh, just from conversations with adam he has grown so much as a player and uh, as a teammate and as a whole i think that uh you know the the year that he experienced in his first competitive year it's like he won lfl and then won new masters then thrown into fanatic you know it's like you're just into cold water and it's a lot to take in at the same time and i feel like now as he has had time to process everything he he definitely is uh you know a more mature individual and uh, a more uh, complete player so i'm excited for him uh, i really am and as excited as I am about Adam now, you know, like I grin, I just want to highlight that journey because when he did come in and when he did play on Fnatic, despite how, you know, successful you guys were, I was not a fan. You know, to me, it was like the it wasn't a one trick pony, but it felt like for every Olaf game where Olaf won you the game, there was an Olaf game where Olaf lost you the game. And that was a lot of what we were seeing. And I feel like that depth of his, uh, he was an explosive player. But he wasn't he wasn't a necessarily a consistent player. He wasn't a rock solid player. And now I feel like this year he's shown us tremendous growth. Uh, I mean, I feel like he's he understands the game clearly so much deeper, so much more profoundly than he did, um, you know, when he was first, as you said, thrust into cold water, thrust into a very difficult situation on Fnatic with going to jungle. That was a tricky year. And I mean, despite it all, still managed to make worlds. So, you know, Adam, I really feel like is not just a blip in the radar, not just a flash in the pan, but feels like a player who is a rising star could be wrong you know on the international stage we'll just have to see but i'm hyped rob you cat you said golden guardian shouldn't be underestimated but are, are you still a bds believer you can stick to your guns yeah. if you want you can vote golden guard don't feel like i <laughs> spoke for no, you no. in that pre-recorded interview <laughs> no i still i still think bds are gonna win it um i just think it's disingenuous to come in and like look i'm all for eu hype and all that kind of stuff but i think give credit where credit is due and i think golden guardians are a very very strong team um, I just think BDS, especially coming into this, um, I kind of agree with you, like, from the Adam point. I think Adam has become exceptionally strong. I even think, coming back to, like, what was their most successful split, split in spring, like, he was such a linchpin for that team on, like, how they he played ate, the map, being able to roam Like, around. two to three bands every game. Yeah. Played and I think Zion, won the It speaks game, volumes you know? to, to how he has evolved as a player. Um, but even as we go on, I think Crowney's just... I feel like <laughs> with how long this man has been gnashing at the bit to get to international competition, there is no way that this man is going to fall flat in his face when he gets there. Like, I'm waiting for Crowley to just pop the hell off when he gets to Worlds. And I think it's like Golden Guardians are unfortunately the first wall that he's to bust through and he's running out of full force. Yep, yep. I would like to add just, just two things on this one. Sure, man. I, I think, I feel like on paper, I feel like BDS should be slightly better. I just worry about like the intangibles, you know, as like experience in, 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 a, in a best of five that we assume is going to go like, I, I will, I can't imagine a world was going to be like a three zero blowout boom. I think it's a best of five that is going to go long. And I feel like that's where Golden Guardians uh, definitely will like level, leverage that because it's like this, this a lot, some of these BDS players, you know, they've had history, like they got reverse swept, you know, went to five games, you know, uh, it's like, uh, 
that shit carries heavy either in the direction of oh we're ready for anything or in the opposite direction and i i just i'm very curious to see how that plays out in terms of how they manage and i think yeah. on the end of adam i feel like the biggest criticism always is like when his unpredictability be becomes predictable when he like walks into mid and just loses resources off it and doesn't get anything it's like that mall fight game that he played like when he just like walked in level five level wandered five, like, in fucking pizza rolled people it's like <laughs> pizza roll enemy jungle and I lost like three plates you know it's like what what on earth is happening it was like that um that chasey where he like chasey devoured adam you know and like that i i hope that adam has had the time and he's they have put in effort to actually utilize his skill and pour that into what is standard top and just have his edge just be an additional thing on top of that rather than his sole identity but that's yeah. you know a big question mark i just know that he plays a lot of these meta champions well too and i hope uh, that he has had the time to really develop that yeah and i'll say like the there's the fandom being an amia fan being an amia caster like i i believe in our boys but on paper i think it's always fair to raise those questions and i think there are a number of questions about bds because again we've seen that single spring split where they continue to impress at every corner. But to be honest, they continue to impress with a relatively simple play style. And I think um, while they absolutely deserve the, you know, like to make it as far as they did, um, they came into summer and there was expectations for me. Obviously, like I can, we can go back and eat crow here, like me and Cadre, but I, we fought about it. But we put them S tier, uh, you know, it felt weird. But at the same time, it was like, in theory, they can just run it back, right? And they couldn't. You know, they really couldn't reach those same heights. And while season finals and you highlight the series versus SK showed, especially for Nuke, but for the team as a whole, that they're obviously still able to fight like BDS don't feel to me like a safe bet. And I couldn't say the same thing about Golden Guardians either, especially given how rough it was for them in playoffs. But again, this is where once once we agree that neither team is a safe bet, we start to go more into the intangibles. And that's where experience becomes a big part. And I think that do just as an outsider no amia na allegiances i think most of us would say who do you trust in the clutch you know river who he or do you trust you know shio lebrav on a big big stage in a best of five situation and has who he had some questionable games and thrown some games yes but he's also shit he might have like lost more games than lebrav has played on international stage and sure certainly has at this point right so it's it's just like this man has been through so finalist. much more MSI finalists, you know what I mean? And I think that he's I mean, yeah, who he's, I mean, shout out to who he's a legend, but, um, and the team as a whole. So I just, I'm scared too. I'm nervous. I will cheer for them. I will back them. I will, well, I'll be casting. Actually, I'll have to be non-biased. Dagda will back them because Mark Z is also on the desk. So Dagda can be biased and Mark Z can be biased. Dagda will back them. You can definitely I will sit. be biased. I've been well, here a year. You have way more like connection. I feel like as the play-by-play -play caster of the series, I can't be biased. <laughs> And I'm not trying to do disservice to the NA fans because I think that they, they also want to see their boys represented. But at the same time, I don't know, maybe we're allowed to be. We'll figure it out. Producers will make a decision yeah. for us. We can but, uh, it. It's all right. I, I think we're all aligned <laughs> in that, like, hey, we believe in BDS. We think BDS has an edge. We think on paper, you know, we're playing. We feel I feel like the higher early game level in LEC, I feel like overall should be stronger. But part of me that's just not sure. What's the final Great. prediction, boys? Or make you can make you can say what you want to say, and then uh, I just want to know. Uh, I, I just want to add the element that there is like a lot of time, you know, between the last time both of these teams played, and then pff, yeah. just a big chunk of time. That also like puts a little spice on it, you know. 
But yeah. I, I, I lean, it's like I lean slightly BDS, but it's like it depends yeah. on like what day I wake up on. Because it's like I think just if the series goes deep, which I do think it will, I think Golden Guardians will let win out. But I feel like BDS gameplay wise is better. So it's just how do they manage the circumstance is will be the big question for me. But uh, I guess that's a prediction in some shape or form. I lean slightly like. Uh, a percentage towards BDS. A per- you're thinking, <laughs> I'm sorry, you're thinking 51, 49? Something like that, you know? Damn, that's and It's like, ask me of. tomorrow and I might lean Golden Guardians, you know? It's like, I, I have this internal battle, you know? That's actually hype. I, I will say, <laughs> while I would love and still believe that this is going to be BDS win, I think I'm 60, 40, which also isn't that yeah. confident. It's clearly BDS favored, but it's only 10% difference, you know, 20% total, but still. Um, it's so sick we get this series though. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm actually like, so bless, hyped that this God is the series. Like. <laughs> like this is what brings people in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure. If BDS or Golden Gardens are on the cusp of elimination of plans, people are going to freak out. They're going to tune in for that too. But like, this is such a random thing to do. Yeah. I still have no idea who decided for World Qualifying Series. It feels so random to me. I have no part in that decision. I don't know what the heck goes on over there. But I'm so glad that it is happening. <laughs> this is sick. I am not excited to be roasted for the rest of our lives because this is the only <laughs> best of five we're going to get to watch between EU and NA for the next five years. Because um, I'm really tired about hearing about EG and Mad Lions. So I would really, really, or the 1647 memes, which we're going to get a bunch of, I would really like that to be just a Mad Lions thing. But it can only be just a Mad Lions thing if BDSB Golden Guardians. <laughs> um so it's close. I mean, I, I fandom perspective again. We believe in the boys. I believe in the boys. Dad, what's your percentage prediction? I think scored lines I'm are kind of pointless. 40, maybe even like 45, 55. Like, I think this is an insanely close series. Like, I'm actually genuinely hyped for this. I think it's going to be so sick. Um, I think I think the the edge for me is I think Crowny and Labrov, I think, are going to gonna pip them. Um, and that's, that's going to be the difference maker. I think Adam is going to like have a whole heap of champions he's going to be happy to play. Yamato's kind of been hollering about, but I genuinely, I think the crowny just pips Stixay, and I think that's going yeah. to be a different space. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you there, man. Stixay, he has holes in his wallet, man. He gives gold for no reason. Like, he plays fights well, he has some highlight moments, but guy doesn't have the discipline, man. He's got ants in his pants, I tell you. Like, he, he likes to run it down when who he is getting busy, you know? For no damn reason. Like, wave slow pushing towards him. He's like, walks up with the Felios, loses Flash Ghost, and just makes the game hard. It's funny, because I'm most worried about Nuke. So we're in a situation where it's the player formerly known as Nuclear Int versus Stixay's ants in his pants. (laughs) That's that's sometimes what it feels like it comes down to. I just, I mean, the the champion pool for Nuke is, like, perfect at the moment. I think think this is actually going to be a great tournament for him. I hope so, man. I hope that he can prove it. Because, like, yeah, I think spring was solid, but it was limited, and you didn't get the glimpses in summer. I would love for BDS to feel, you know, by the time they win this series and make it through plans, like, they're the full picture, you know, where we, like, have to reevaluate this team. Those are my favorite moments at Worlds, where you get to see a team kind of reborn in the crucible, in the battle, in the forge, or whatever, however you want to call it. I'm sure they'll have a video about it. But we'll have to see for now. The other big thing... We got three other teams at Worlds. We're not going to see them for a while till Swiss, but I thought it might be a good idea to check in with our number one seed, the flag bearers for our region. 
So reached out to G2 Rama. Didn't want to interrupt the, the boot camp process. So we got the manager just to get us the TLDR on everything that's going on that's happening in Korea. Um, is there currently at the T1 training facility? Let's check in with him. Thanks, me. I'm once again sitting by here with one of our fabulous EMEA friends in Korea. None other than the manager of G2, Rama, leading the charge on what I assume has been a super productive boot camp. Before we talk about the team, uh, I know you guys are in the T1 facility. You've been posting pictures about it. It looks super sick. How did this happen? Like, how are you guys, how did you guys end up using their facilities to practice? How did this all kind of come together for G2? Um, I mean, we we knew the bootcamp part of uh, going to Worlds was going to be super important. We wanted to come in Korea as early as possible uh, so the boys can spam solo queue and stuff. So I had, uh, I think, seven or eight different offers, uh, thanks to a lot of people in our network and, and, and the different facilities available, right? Um, and the most premium in our head was T1 because it feels extremely cool to go and practice where T1 is living, you know? Um, we've been here for a week now and... It's it's incredible. I'm not gonna lie to you, Dracos. I've been I've been lucky enough to see a few facilities in NA, in China, in EU, and even in Korea. That's the best one I've seen so far. Like the main building has eleven floors dedicated to esports, and we we are right next door in the academy building, which has like four to five floors as well. Everything is so cool, and and from a for the boys, it feels incredible to to step to step in 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 the footprint of uh, owner and faker and Kaya and and you see the merch everywhere and everything is branded and like right now I'm live from one of their uh, streaming box I think they have eight or nine all around me uh, it it feels like you're you're in the beating heart of esports and it's uh, it's an extra incentive it's an extra motivation for us. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear. It sounds like a sick facility. Hopefully, uh, it's insane. we get a tour at some point, maybe from you guys or from T1. Maybe they have one up on their channel that people it's can coming. check it's out. Coming. Regardless, shout out to T1 for, for setting you guys up with the space and fantastic for you guys that you have that practice. How has the process been adjusting the boy? I know you guys have a pretty rigorous practice schedule and a pretty like set up rituals around that. Has it been a smooth transition moving over to Korea uh, or were there some hiccups in the process kind of getting everyone adjusted? So we we using the experience we've had uh, last year going to MSI, uh, going to London for MSI this year, going to New York last time, and we work with some experienced uh, people like Dylan, like Isma. Uh, so the addition of Isma as a performance coach was really really good. Uh, for example, we we prepped the boys uh, to face jet lag, so they modified their sleeping schedule already back in Berlin, uh, and so the moment they arrived, they were kind of a bit more fresh than usual. Um, we, we wanted to make sure the solo queue was going to be used properly. Uh, once you're in the, in the middle of the battle, in the middle of the heat of worlds, you need a high ELO solo queue account. You need to already be challenger so you can have this efficient practice. Uh, that's something we learned from MSI last year. Um, the solo queue account were not as high as what we wanted them to be. Uh, so we couldn't really use that as a, uh, as a tool. Um, what's important as well was who are we going to face when you scream? So we started our scream schedule with lower team kind of uh, team we we know for sure we can beat uh, and we are accelerating a lot so right now we are only screaming asian teams we're taking games to a lot of games so i'm really excited uh we haven't faced the big big boys yet uh that's gonna come in the next literally 72 hours um yeah. so let's see right and and how you approach the meta is going to be really really important as well uh, what picks are good what picks are not good how do we want to apply a different strategy and stuff so um everything is going according to the plan right now uh the process are in place and working so let's see 
just have to see how it unfolds. When you talk about scrims, I, I spoke to BDS and to Adam earlier, and I think they're they're in the same position that a lot of young Western orgs find themselves in when they travel to Asia or travel to international events and look for scrims. I think they're in a phase that G2 has probably been in a few times where they're seemingly, they're in the audition phase, I think is what we loosely call it, where they don't get to scrim the top dogs. It sounds like you've chosen not to scrim top dogs, but is G2 an organization now that like has enough of a reputation that if you wanted to land in Korea and just immediately start scrimming the T1s of the world or the JDGs, can you guys like instantly get those scrims if you want to? Yeah, and I mean, it's facilitated by the fact G2 has been performing, uh, has been attending international events for quite a while now. Um, so, and we've been going to London and Korea and, and all those places for the last two, three years. So you have the network, you know you know who to ask about Scream, they know your name, they, they respect you. And, but usually they give you one Scream and if you perform, they give you more. And that's what happened uh, two days ago, for example. We had a really good day of Scream versus the Korean team. And by the end of the Scrims, we were like, okay, do you have a bit more availability next next week, you know? <laughs> uh, so, which made us really proud. We're like, yeah, let's go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for sure, for sure, we have the network which allows this kind of stuff. But still, you have to perform during the Scrims. If they smash mm. you 5-0, then that was the last time, right? And they all talk to one another. So the moment you start to perform well, it, it unlocks you more more perks like it's, it's like in a video yeah. game right so it's, you, it's you almost like next level yeah it's almost like worlds before worlds this like tournament where you have to prove yourself just to get good practice for the rest of the tournament it's i mean it's pretty intense um when we talk about the other seeds in EMEA how is the outlook from the G2 perspective? I know G2 have felt like the top dogs for a while, and you guys have been pretty optimistic about your own international performance. But with World Qualifier Series coming up, we're going to see what BDS can do, and obviously Mad and Fnatic as well. Um, how is the G2 camp kind of feeling about the other EMEA representatives? Are you guys optimistic about the region as a whole, or is a lot of your faith, let's say, just in G2 at this point when you think about uh, how far teams can go in the tournament? Um, we really focus on the Asian team. Uh, I've I've good hope. Um, EU is better than NA, so I would not be surprised if BDS smashes GG with a quick 3-0, You know, um, let's see. Of course, that's that's uh, all I I wish for them. Uh, for us, it's all about Korea and China, uh, and that's what we learn at MSI. And you can even feel it feel it in the quality of scrims. Um, the micro and macro are crazy good and it challenges us and it was a it started to be a bit the limit in europe uh, where we we are right now really really good uh and we won a lot on stage and in scream so we we wanted but we knew it would be pointless to win that much if the moment you face korea and china they just beat you right so so we it's uh, I like the video game comparison because this is you're in a dungeon and you need to beat every single level of the, of the dungeon to get a shot mm -hmm. at level 60 or 70. Um, so that's what we've done. Uh, it was a basic requirement to win everything in Europe. And I think that's what, for example, was missing last year. Uh, we were feeling really good, but then we arrive in Malmö, we get destroyed 3-0 by Rogue, and, and the moment you arrive at World, you're like, oh, we're not even the best one. So um, that was a goal for summer. That was to prove to ourselves that we can be consistent in Europe. And now the real part of the year is starting. The real, the real deal is starting. Is how do we beat those guys? How yep. do we survive Swiss stage? And yeah. I think as kind of a final question, I like the optimism for BDS. I'm also 3-0. Let's go. You know, smash Golden Guardians. Let's move on. Let's get on with our lives. It's clearly our fourth seed, uh, as it always should have been. 
Um, but when you talk about optimism for G2, you guys are scrimming now. I know that following MSI, talking to you, talking to Dylan, talking to the team, and also hearing in interviews leading up to Worlds, you felt like it was really close. Like you were, it wasn't just a giant skill gap. It wasn't just, it was a lot of little things that stopped you maybe from having greater success, small differences. Do you still feel now that you're scrimming these Asian teams that it's just small differences that separate a team like G2 from being able to take down, you know, the top dogs from the LCK or LPL? Yeah, black for sure. And and that's how we structured our our scrim our scrim schedule, right? Like uh, first we wanted to to practice versus like top three, top four uh, Korean and Asian teams, which we, we're doing right now. We're winning. Uh, then we're gonna get into the top two, top one uh, Korean Chinese team, and and we're gonna see. Of course, there's always a big difference between scrim and stage. You can have the nerve. Yeah. You can have a lot of things happening, but it's it's the first tool you can use to analyze how good you are and and. During MSI, we got games from most of them. Uh, only GDG was absolutely insane. Uh, the games we got, they were not really wins. <laughs> and the game we <laughs> lost, they really got us. Um, I think I think we had a, a day we did 4-4 versus them, but those four wins were not really wins, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, but the other teams felt like they can bleed. You know, when you have the Batman versus Superman, he, he comes yep, like, yep. He, he can bleed. That That's a feeling we had. Um, and, and yeah, we, we're we really optimistic. Uh, of course, we have to, right? Uh, we have to believe in ourselves. Um, but the results are here and the processes are here. So we feel like when we win, we learn something and we can translate it into the next game. And when we lose, we know what to tweak. Um, so yeah, MSI gave us the passion and the motivation again, right? After maybe trolling a bit in spring, we were like, okay, Europe is just a step and we have to be a bit more hardcore on ourselves, uh, which led to a really good summer in two finals. So yeah, it felt like we were ready when we arrived in Korea. Now we have to confirm that and then let's go Swiss stage. Best of one, best of one, best of three and and then there's hope. Easy. Just just, just clean sweep through. Don't do the the lower bracket run where you have to play endless best of threes, please. For the, for the hearts of the European fans. Yeah. We don't want to troll. We we want to give 110%. I'm I'm fine with losing if we give everything so we can go back home and feel like, okay, like they beat us, but we gave everything. At MSI, it really felt like the moment we stepped on stage, some of the boys went 100%. And, and yeah. that's what made us a bit sour, you know. We're like, ah! If we were a bit more, if we were a bit more this, a bit more that. Well, I appreciate that mindset. That seems very healthy. But as a fan, I please just win. Whatever you give on stage, just win. If you give 90% and you win, that's fine with me. You know, I'll take that as yeah. a fan. We're going to give 110%. <laughs> like, we're going to give everything. So it's going to feel good when we win. Hell yeah. We deserve it. Hell yeah. Well, I'm excited for that, Ramah. Thank you so much for taking the time. Of course. Um, Glad to hear so much optimism from our first seed coming out of EMEA and good to hear that the boys are adjusting well. So, yeah, thanks again for taking the time. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again in Swiss, probably. You are some of the members of the team for now. We're, we're not so. going to see you for a couple of weeks, but you'll be there we're in going Swiss. Back we the cave, we're going back to the cave and we're going back to Solo Q and Scrim. Yeah. All right. I like the Batman analogy. Keep working, Batman. Prep your tools. They can bleed. <laughs> they can bleed. Get ready to take on Superman. JDG, very scary. But regardless, good luck, man. Hope the practice keeps being Thank good. You. Excited to hear more. Thanks for taking the time. Back to the podcast, me. Thanks again, Roma. Thank me for my interviews. I was a bit rambly this week in the interviews, but thanks to everybody listening. I just thought we'd get get perspective from more than just BDS this time around. Hopefully we can hear from Mad Lions and Fanatic in, in the weeks to come. 
I'm also saying you're a bit two-faced in that. Because you turn around and we're like, BDS are going to 3-0. And then immediately it's like, actually on this podcast, you were like, oh, no, no, it's going to be super close. It's going to be like 3-2. And then what? not only that, you were like, oh, you know what? I wouldn't want to interrupt G2 during their scrims. And <laughs> you just had an interview with Adam. It's like, what is this, Dracos? Okay. <laughs> and in my defense, we interviewed Ramal while G2 were scrimming. Um because we couldn't get a time slot because of the production schedule. And Adam, we were fortunate enough to get after the scrim block. And obviously, I wanted BDS to be the first priority because they're the team that's about to play. So that's that point. The other point, you're right. I'm waffling. And you know what? You know what it is? You know what it is, guys? It's that you're so good at your job. It's that you're so convincing. That's the Thank thing. Is I, I was I was all on the 3-0 BDS strain. And I was rewatching that series today in playoffs. And I was like, damn. Golden Guardians versus TLS series. Trash. Golden Guardians suck. And then you reminded me. You're like, don't forget MSI. Don't forget River Gory. Don't forget how sick they are. Um, so, you know, you guys sold it and turned it around for me. That said, <laughs> Rob has never seen Superman vs. Batman, yeah, but this I've was the number one conversation that was happening behind the scenes. <laughs> that movie sucks, Rob. And so while Roma made a great example, yeah, that just, is, this is yeah. a warning to everyone listening to this podcast. Do not watch that film. Like, I haven't watched it either. But just based off of the name... I didn't watch it. Can I spoil it for you? Go sure, for it. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> okay. If you care about Batman versus Superman spoilers, you need to tune out now. Okay. So one, the movie's long and boring. But two, the moment where they decide that they're like not going to fight each other is like they <gasps> both reference their moms. And like Batman's like, I had a mom once. Oh, sad. And Superman's like, I also have a mom. I guess we're both human. Like that's like the emotional moment that like brings them together and like solve so it's. From what I remember, admittedly, but I remember the the, the 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 crux of the movie when it finally like they build it up so Batman and Superman are close and they're like gonna murder each other and then it's like uh, we both have moms and are both human, I guess. I'm gonna He's... drop this one in solo queue. It's like guys, stop arguing. We all have moms. We all have moms. <laughs> We have all come from a womb. Technically not Superman, but don't gloss into that. He still had a maternal relationship. Yeah, so that's. <laughs> That movie sucks. What movie what is, won't suck is Gigi vs. PDS. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Hopefully. go, go for you. <laughs> no, I just wanted to add, like when he said, if he bleeds, I thought he was going to reference the Predator, you know? Yeah, like, if it bleeds, uh, we can Arnold, kill it. Arnold Schwarzenegger, if it bleeds, we can kill it. And that's like a sick scene, you know? It's like, yeah. I, or that's, I thought it was going to be like you know? 300, you know? like throw. He's The man is literally dressed up half naked like Pantheon. <laughs> I thought for sure he'd go for the 300 reference. You know, the spear hits Cersei and like cuts him gods can bleed kind of thing. But no, nah, yeah, he went Batman yeah. versus Superman. Which, <laughs> all right. You could have done Goku versus Superman. You could have given EU a little bit more credit here. Why are we Batman? But, but hey, go G2. I like what I like what he was saying about the scrims and the mentality because it showed in the gameplay in summer, right? It's it's cool. I'm I was actually they're uh, rocking and rolling. I was watching um the Last Renation interview with Dylan Falco, and he actually brought up a really interesting point that I hadn't considered at all. Uh, so obviously, when you you don't know who your opponents are yet for the Swiss round, so in scrims they have to be incredibly careful what they show. Because the next per team they go up against could be the teams that they've just shown all the super secret strats to. And then they're like, well, we're ready for it now. We know it's coming through. So apparently, like, they're, like, even worried about, like, oh, they show... I'm just going to say, like, I don't know, Azir mid. <laughs> Obviously, sure. Azir mid. But, like, Azir mid is, like, the big thing that they're about to bring out. And then suddenly, like, an LPL team picks it up and they use it as scrim against an LCK team. And then use it as a scrim against, so, like, 
because everyone's just playing against each other because they don't know who their partners are or who they're against. They at the same really time. About it. Oh, go ahead. You want to go? Yeah, ahead. I just want to say at the same time, uh, like it's just you have so limited time to prepare, which also yeah. makes it interesting. And I have to add as well that you have to assume that everything is leaked when you're at the World Championship. This may be like a bleak fact, but everything. Yeah, I don't want to like. Be there's no accusations here against specific teams, but as far like people just leak shit all the time. Like I have heard so much from players after the fact, like they were just ready for our level one, which, as far as we know, we had only used in scrims against these three teams. So either they're fucking prophetic or like one of these three teams leaked it. And again, not to point fingers, like. I'm not sure what the line is between regional alliances. Like, should all LEC teams be leaking all scrim results to each other versus, you know, should everyone who's just be practicing and never sharing anything with their regions as well? Like, but yeah, you kind of got to go. You're, you're, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Cause yeah, because it's to, shady, to, but if you don't do it, you're at a disadvantage. And yeah, like, if you yeah. do do it, it's immoral. But if you don't do it, you're kind of, you're coming at a disadvantage and it's like, it's a tough situation. And, and bro, like, you're at international events and you see like, a region and there's like their four coaches are just having coffee together it's like <laughs> oh they're exchanging notes oh it must be uh, their review of batman versus superman they actually love the part where they both have moms they all have moms we all have moms the thing i'll say i think that's a fantastic point and um i love that from dylan uh you know that he was that he brought that up because it's something that i didn't really consider but on the other hand like kind of the positive of that is it's much harder to inbreed a meta which doesn't happen that much anymore but when scrim circles used to be really really insular you'd have teams come in on that first week of groups with just completely different reads of what is in the meta but if teams aren't avoiding specific teams right uh, it's, it feels like it's much less likely to happen there will i think still be some of it because obviously the top lck lpl teams are not going to scrim you know, the bottom LEC uh, or LCS teams. It's not like everyone is scrimming everyone, but certainly there's probably a bigger pool of potential scrim partners in this setup than there was in years past. So that's the positive, I guess, of the whole equation. I think also it's like, if, if you are one of those teams that have the mentality to win the whole tournament, you're not going to like look at something like an opportunity like that as some big morality thing, you know? It's like it's, yeah. it's allowed. There's nothing that's going to happen against it. You just make sure that you don't, you know, talk about it public and you keep your, keep your, you know, cards close to your chest. It's like these, like, especially when it comes to like some of the Chinese teams versus the Korean teams, like they come into this tournament, want like knowing what their competition is and wanting to do everything they can to, to like break them. Because like yeah. the level of intensity there, it's like from day one, they have had their like, the, the sights have the laser has been pointed at those uh, op opposing teams you know that you might think about when you think about the top four so it's like the level of competition is it's it's like this is the highest level of it yeah i mean it's something high something to look forward to um not the highest level we've talked about wqs that's the first step and then there's plans and then we get into swiss where i think it really becomes the highest level but first is plans we're not gonna spend a lot of time here mostly because uh amia viewers you're, you might not have heard about a lot of these teams and the place where you can hear about these teams is on the plans broadcast which is starting on the 10th wqs wqs is on the 9th but before we go we do want to give you a little tidbit a little hint of the teams or players that we are excited about at the end of the day it feels like bds or golden guardians and one other team to make it out of plans it would be cool to be proven wrong um not cool because it would mean BDS wouldn't make it, but 
you know, upsets are dope. Upsets are hype. So, Dagda, we'll start with you. Um, is there a team or player specifically yeah. in the context of plans that you're super excited for from all the all the vods you've been watching? To I think we're gonna say the worlds? same. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I mean, I'm gonna hit on like so. The team I want to talk about is PSG talent, but there's like certain members that I want to hit on within it. Um, one, and I think this is one that a lot of people don't know or probably don't realize. Their head coach, Corky, is an absolute beast. So for a lot of people that don't know, Corky was the assistant head coach of EDG when they won Worlds. Like, Corky is really, really good at what he does. And, like, I've, he's good friends with Lyric, which is why I, like, happened to chat to him a couple of times. This guy really knows his stuff. And I think that's why we're kind of seeing PSG talent, like, take it a step up over in the PCS. This is a team that looks absolutely terrifying. And then I think there's the obvious ones of, like, Junja former EDG as well, like JJ ended up pipping him, but it was a very tough decision between Junja and JJ as to who was going to take up the jungler role in that roster. And he's been a beast. I think he's a bit over-aggressive and it does come back to bite him, but like the way he controls the map and also moving into a Nidalee meta, he's a big, big Nidalee player. I think he's going to have a pop-off at these early stages. Maple being back is class. Uh, Wacko as well, who had to replace Doggo. And I think a lot of people were like, oh yeah, this guy isn't going to do so hot, but we've seen him pop off every single time he gets to uh, international. Like, he's so, so sick. And look, I do miss Doggo because Doggo was yeah. sick and was also super underestimated. I remember when he was when he was, he was getting subbed and people were like, oh, this guy is terrible. Like, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And then he just popped off. But I'm excited for Waka for one reason. And he's not the player I'm going to pick, but I got to make a Waka Flock of Flame joke last <laughs> at WetMSI. And they can't stop me from doing <laughs> another one. I will find a way to get he goes hard in the motherfucking paint on broadcast. I might have Does to censor myself wacko, a little bit. Waco Flaco Flame Flame if you get flamed for it. <laughs> it would be Waco Flaco Flame Flame. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm it's worth it. This is what this is what I live for. I cast with the same fifty names all year. I'm here for the new names and the new shitty name jokes. That's what what I'm about. Yamato, are you also looking at PSG as like the big? Yeah. I think they're they're the safe favorite, right, for the entire thing. I mean, they're first seed of a pretty st historically strong region uh, in the PCS. Are you also looking at them? I, I guess the the other question is, it's like I, I feel like uh, Vietnam as a region have ha like they have like the the recipe for potential success with 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 the player base and so forth. So. I'm I'm excited to see some some action on that front. Uh, I think in regards to like the teams, this is like where I'm less researched. Like I I just watch all the major regions. Uh, sure. I came in here and I watched all of LCS. Like that's what, <laughs> what I spent my time on. Uh, and I you just... and we we love you for it. Thank you for your specific <laughs> Golden Gardens insight. We appreciate you. It's, it's, it's like on my it's like Maple Junjia. It's like these, these players are. Uh, like exciting i would be surprised if they don't make it through right and uh, the moment some of the other regions manage to make it through that's when i will begin to pay attention to them so that's that's the invitation to them to if you if you want the amount to watch your games as if that matters <laughs> for you uh, then uh, <laughs> qualify to the world championship and i'll pay attention it's like brazil is another region like that is like emerging and bubbling you know, in terms of the player base and the energy English and the investment well. you know you know that's I, I feel like those things are usually like indicators of a interesting future to come you know yeah i hope brazil gets to do something man brazil like Loud, so us. sick, and Valorant, you know? Yeah, we need them to beat more people. I think it's a tough path for, for Brazil and for Loud specifically, the Brazilian representative. I'll just say I am excited for the VCS. 
I'm excited for Team Wales, not just because that name is great, even if I don't love the logo, I'll be honest. The, the name is great. I thought they were Welsh when I first read it. I was really confused as to what the hell was going on here and how Team Wales was going to be playing. They're 80 carry Artemis. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you he's going to win them the game. <laughs> but I'll tell you that he will either win them the game or lose them the game, and then it will almost always be up to him because this man is good when he's good, and he is bad when he is bad. But to me, like these are the kind of players I want to watch. He's a player of extremes. Um, their top laner as well. This is a team in general where I'm like, I've seen games where their top laners playing Aatrox. Like we're talking about wanting to see Adam play. Renekton game's not as hot, but the Aatrox game really good where he's just popping off. He's killing everybody. It looks super good. Artemis, same thing. I see games where he is, for no reason, running in and 3v1ing. And in the same series, he'll do it again, but this time he'll win the 3v1 instead of feeding and throwing the entire game. And that's the shit I do like. These are the teams that I want to watch. So do I think Team Wales are going far? Hell no, especially because they're playing either Golden Guardians or BDS. Their route, their route sucks. They've arguably got the hardest possible opponent, but it is going to slap because they will pull people down into the chaos with them. They will fight. And that's, you know, that's what I want. That's what I want out of plans. I like that you went from Waka Flocka to Chief Keef. Chief Keef. <laughs> that's, that's, uh... <laughs> That's the shit I do like. That's the shit I do like. <laughs> Sorry, like that. No, I was just. Can I give one more shout out? Because I'm yeah. so glad I get to cast this man again. Shousey on Flying Oysters. <laughs> I love this man. This is a man who almost got Blitzcrank perma banned against him the entire way through playoffs. So like he used to play um, back in LPL in the day. He was playing on like E Star. This guy, any hook champion whatsoever, and he pops off. He will like for no reason at all just go for a flash hook and like nine times out of ten land like the dude is a beast and like if you see blitzcrank or you see thresh locked in for this guy in the bot lane like he is going to pop off he is one of the most fun supports and i'm so excited that i get to he, he makes blitzcrank look messed up yeah like, yeah wait what it's team sick. is he on flying oyster yeah let's guess yeah yeah also cfo great tag yeah. I'm, I'm going to be making chief financial officering jokes the entire time. I'm going to be like diamond hands, you know, you may try to short sell. Like, again, these are the things I look for in plants. These are the little, this is the mini game that fills me with joy. But I'm with you. I did not appreciate how actually messed up the play pattern is of every time your flash is off cooldown, you just flash power fist them with glacial. And then they just like, what are you going to do? You're going to flash away and immediately get hooked because like it's the freest shit ever? Like, what are you going to do, bud? There's like moments in playoffs where he like flashes forward to bait out. I think I actually think it was uh, Waco or maybe it was one of the other games. But basically, he like flashes forward to bait out the enemy flash and then predicts the flash and gets the hook up Blitzcrank. Like this dude is sick. Like he's got he just wants to make plays all day long. I can't wait. That's super hyped for. Um, cool. Yeah, you'll you'll get to enjoy you, money. You'll get to see. Well, you'll track BDS, I'm sure, over the course of over the course of worlds, but. Yeah, that's pretty much it. This has been Euphoria episode 24. Thank you, gentlemen, both for joining me in this kind of all over the place episode. Shout out to um, to Adam and Rama for taking the time to talk to us during a busy scrim and practice schedule ahead of their respective games and series. Of course, the World Qualifying Series is on the 9th. What time does it start? Depends on your time zone. It's complicated. We're getting up early here in EU. Dagda and I will be in Dublin alongside all the, the English broadcasters for plans. Don't worry. The, most of the I tournament will still be in bags. Korea. The entire rest of the tournament, they'll be on the ground there. But just for plans, we'll be here. Um, 
me, yeah, so tune in, check it out. And of course, before World Starts, tune in to Yamato's stream, who is now done with his K-Corp coaching, surprise coaching obligations. And you gotta get in there quick, folks, because someone else is gonna, he's gonna be coaching a team at Worlds within the next week and a half. So you really gotta savor these times where you have unfettered Yamato access. And uh, otherwise, check me and Dagda. We're casting that World Qualifying Series match with Mark Z. It's gonna... It's gonna slap. It's gonna be so good. And you're gonna hear me waffle on that caster desk way more than you hear me waffle here. So <laughs> get hyped for that. This has been Euphoria episode 24. The Diveforia state, the Pogforia dive, whatever they want to call it, will take over the tournament from here. So we'll see you on that podcast. And this is the end of Euphoria for 2023. We'll see you back in 2024. Farewell. Euphoria. Forever till the end of time. time. <laughs> There's only you and I.